Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Worst of All Worlds. We have myself, Rol Slavsky, of the Slavland Chronicles blog. We have Mr. Slav Squat of the Slav Squat blog, and Mr. Marco of Anti Empire, which is now also on Substack. We are here to talk about the recent momentous events that have been occurring in Ukraine, in Russia, all that sort of thing. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it, but we should start definitely with the war front. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people are shocked once again that the 5D chess didn't work, that there was no trap, uh, that there was no brilliant sort of maneuver to lure the Ukrainians in and then to out and then surround them or something like that or, or hit them with artillery. No, it, I mean, uh, you really have to just sort of use Okem's razor. You have to simplify it, it seems. You have to just call things for what they are instead of uh, falling back on fantasies. So Lehman was taken, first it was surrounded, then it was evacuated. Uh, what are the details that we know uh, surrounding this? Uh, I don't know. I was going to throw this straight to Marco, but uh, I've heard a lot of interesting rumors about just how the defense was organized. And a lot of people have come out to complain about it, that uh, fortifications weren't in place, that uh, the whole thing was uh, basically the, the, the units that had good commanders were able to get out without too many scrapes. Uh, other units got hit very badly, mangled up uh, as they were trying to retreat from Lehman. Uh, the very fact that it was surrounded. Uh, I know Kadyrov said a few things about it, uh, but let's see what Marco has to say. What do you, what do you make of this? Is there anything? Is there any uh, like insights that we can draw about Russia's military or their political leadership based on the events that occurred around Lehman? What do you think? Uh, well, one thing that, that that did seem disappointing is is that they didn't have reserve positions ready, and, and you know, and, and that's something I haven't I haven't wrote on, I haven't written about. But but yeah, I mean, because if okay, you don't have manpower to hold the line, you know, but it it, it shouldn't sh but you know that that shouldn't be an excuse that you don't have reserve positions ready. So apparently, they retreated all the way back to Kremina, you know, which is an urban. Uh, an urban center that's a little bit more defensible. You know, they didn't stop anywhere in between. Okay, maybe that is, uh, you know, maybe you can understand that. Maybe maybe that's the correct decision. But still, even as they arrived in Kermina, you know, like these guys who fell back, you know, they're complaining. Nothing is ready here. I mean, you know, like we've been fighting for like almost three weeks in Liman. You know, everybody knew that we're probably going to have to retreat eventually and, and nothing is ready for us here. So, uh that that you know, if that is true, that is indeed a valid critique. Uh, but um, uh, it, it it really went beyond that. I mean, it it it, it got kind of ugly, kind of nasty, and uh, it it makes me you know question the motives of these people because they are very very quick to talk and very very quick to to point uh, fingers. And you know why is that so? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are suddenly now publicly asking these questions. Uh, like, there seems to have been a lot of people, a lot of mud throwing, a lot of finger pointing, and a lot of uh, figuring out who's to blame. And uh, does, do you think that this uh, means that there's going to be a reshuffle or something like that? Because that's the that's the, the the attitude I think, or the atmosphere that I'm feeling that someone someone's head has to roll for yet another failure. Uh, we've never seen them publicly go at it at each other like this before right well apparently there have been a ton of reshuffles already you know like they're reshuffling generals all the time and, and it really hasn't done that much which you know perhaps that tells you that 
you know the cause of problems isn't there but actually what i was bothered about this you know mudslinging is that the, uh, you know it was coming from prigozhin and kadiro both of which have very direct access to putin that the generals do not have you know so 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 they basically kind of higher ranked in the in, in in the system than the generals and you know meanwhile the generals are having problem because yes they don't have the manpower because they were not given to it by their boss but you know by the boss of kadiro and prigozhin meaning Putin, you know, uh, it, it, it's almost like they, they're picking out this, you know, low-level scapegoats, you know, to, to, to deflect responsibility from the guy uh, to whom they're trying to suck up always, you know, that being Putin. Well, that's an interesting take on it. I, I could definitely see, I mean, I think that a lot of people are now saying that, uh, that there's like two strains of thought, I suppose, in the in the dissident patriotic community. In Russia, which is one of them, the more extreme one is that there are literal traitors uh, in the government uh, at the top and in, in the mid-level, I guess you could say. And this is why a lot of strange things have been happening, uh, including uh, supplies being left behind without being torched or, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, it, it's it's almost like what everyone at this point, I think, realized that Russia is fighting with one hand tied behind its back. And now the question is, how do you explain this behavior? Is it incompetence is it uh hubris is it or is it uh traitors and so everyone's sort of trying to as more and more people as, more, as the realization dawns on more and more people how badly the war is going uh you're gonna have to choose one of these different options right you're gonna have to choose one of these explanations for for why things are going this way and um i don't know i've definitely seen the the cries of like that there are traitors within uh the or our, our our like our infrastructure, our, our political and military infrastructure that that definitely has been gaining steam, and I hear it more and more often. Obviously, from like Strelkov and his people, uh, who are leading the charge with, with that kind of rhetoric. But what do you think? Do you think it's a, a case of traitors and uh, you know cronies and incompetent? Like, what what what, do you, what would you, your take be on this? What would you say? Would you agree with Strelkov? Would do you think it's it's really just treasonous people who are actively undermining Russia's efforts, or is it just some general level of incompetence, or is it hubris? Just this, they didn't, you know, they underestimated their enemy. What do you think? Uh, well, I, I just don't see incentive. You know, I, if you are, you know, a, a person right now in, in the Russian system. It doesn't even matter your ideologic ideology or your position. You just don't have an incentive, you know, to sabotage the Russian effort, and that almost goes even for for the system liberals, you know. And you know, to say nothing of of actual generals and guys like that, you know. But they do all have incentive, you know, to point the finger at somebody else. But nobody has real incentive, you know, to sabotage their own, uh, you know, joint effort. You know, what 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 can you possibly gain? You know, like you're a general, you think it's going to be good for you if this war is lost and and you know, uh, putting uh. Is shipped off to Siberia, you know, and, and some uh, uh, one well, of the people replaces him, you know. I could definitely come up with several scenarios of 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 where they would be incentivized to be traitors or or to not do their job well. Like for example, if some general is fighting with another general, not friends with him, uh, in competition or something, and this general needs reinforcements or needs some support or needs some information, withholding that sort of thing so that they look bad, like they lost the position, and then you can uh, swoop in and say, I can fix the problem. I could definitely see that. I could also see liberals within Russia saying, 
well, once we lose to the West, they're going to need like crony uh, puppet, like, you know, what do you call state traps? And uh, we're perfectly suited for that role. So as long as this thing, as long as we can kind of keep things from escalating too much and surrendering gracefully, eventually we'll just go back to the status quo of like the 90s and we'll be, you know, being paid American money to yeah, rule yeah, yeah, Russia. Yeah, look, you're absolutely right, you know, but it doesn't reach the level of like systemic treason, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, like half the generals are traitors and, you know, j just just doing their own, you know, private thing. No, you know, yeah, occasionally it happens. Absolutely. You know, these rivalries or maybe like, I don't know, maybe you have a few guys, you know, who are flirting with collaboration. But this idea, you know, that you would have like so many, you know, like, you know, like this is something the Strelka goes into. I mean, for him, pretty much everybody who is, you know, in the official military is useless, you know. I, I think that it's wrong to even think that this problem began with Ukraine, although maybe Ukraine is now showing us how deep the problem goes. I think it's pretty clear that there's been systemic problems in the Russian military for a very long time, and they never really came to surface during, let's say, you know, the incursion into Georgia or even Syria, because these were very small scale and um, less conventional than you know, basically a full, a, a, a standard war with a country that has one of the Europe's largest armies being supplied by the world's largest arms dealership, you know, NATO. I mean, look, go back, you know, we often cite Top War, Military Review, one of Russia's top uh, news portals. They have articles, you can go back and look that date months before February 24th, where they talk about how serious corruption is in the Russian military. And it goes from the very bottom to the very top. Anyone who has lived any amount of time in Russia is very familiar with the conscription uh, um, system in which anyone who has a little bit of money can pay a doctor to say that they have webbed feet and they get out of, they get out of military service. And this sort of small scale, you know, bribery and corruption, it goes straight to the top of the Russian military. And, you know, you can follow it all the way through. The NCOs infamously are known to steal salaries from conscripts. There's a horrible hazing system in the Russian military that still exists. There's a horrible, yeah, yeah. horrible... This, this mean, is true, it, you know. This is, yeah, this is true. You know, you have some laziness in the military. You have some, a lot of corruption, you know, but that this is the main, uh, that this has the main expl explanatory power. No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, if you gave the military what it needed and that is more men you know even even if like yeah officers th th there's definitely a level of corruption like, like that's endemic but they they could do more they could do better than this you know no and, but i mean but marco you know about this i mean they were selling you had generals who were basically buying cheap knockoff chinese communication devices because they you know it, it the, the corruption doesn't uh, isn't just basic grit it, it affects your fighting capability right and your organizational ability and i don't think you can just overlook that and i don't think i think it was a sort of a death by a thousand cuts just like thousands of instances of small-scale grift and this is the result i don't think this is something that just spontaneously yeah. happened once yeah. ukraine arrived you know yeah 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 absolutely but look the red army was also you know dysfunctional in, it, in its own ways i mean not not in the sense of corruption because there wasn't a market to 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 sell supplies to but it was like super dysfunctional and and they beat the germans you know but these guys can beat the ukrainians 
you know, so it, it's not incompetence. It's, it's they just, you know, they don't have enough resources. Yeah, that, I mean that's obviously a big part of it too. That they're not they're not given what they need to actually fight this war, which is something that this was the main problem starting on February twenty fourth. They're not actually fighting. They decided not to fight a war, even though they needed to. Yeah, and, and this is something that that Liman showed uh, very nicely. Uh, and and I think that the trollers said all that needs to be said about this. You know that. Uh, you know, people who saying everything is going according to plan, everything is going according to plan. This is the so this is the plan now. You know, like you're gonna wait, run out of uh, from Liman. This cannot possibly be the plan. I mean, obviously things have happened that were not planned. You know, so yeah. Well, speaking of uh, adjustments being made, uh, I I think that the rhetoric has has car totally shifted at this point. It was this sort of legalese beforehand. It was Lavrov speak, and uh, although Putin did say something interesting about decommunization on the eve of the uh, of the effort, but uh, for the most part, it was this ridiculous: we must demilitarize and uh, denazify Ukraine, whatever that means. However, however that goal is accomplished, no one really knows. Now, though, after Putin's speech, we're hearing a lot about uh, how Russia is resisting the satanic uh, Western world order talking about how the the west is waging a war against families uh the west is basically undermining all human values and uh blah, blah you know all this sort of stuff which is something that you'd hear on infowars and something that i've been hoping to hear for such a long time uh you know putin has sometimes tiptoed up to the line tiptoed sort of played around with this kind of rhetoric uh hinted at it and uh for the longest time i thought that they just weren't aware of what was going on in the west because most of these people don't know how to use the internet, unfortunately. These these people in uh, the Kremlin, I mean, Putin famously doesn't use a phone, doesn't have email. Everything is brought to him in these folders, right? So you, could you imagine like someone uh, photo scanning like some memes and stuff <laughs> and some, and some, you know, a lot of this stuff is really is video content, like seeing what these uh, transgender activists are doing with the kids in the streets and in the bars and in the schools and the libraries and stuff. It's, you really have to see it to believe it. Uh, it's a really powerful talking point. It's one that I think I've really wanted to hear for a long time. It's one that appeals to right-wingers the world over. So naturally, I'm, I'm quite happy about this change in rhetoric. But uh, is there something deeper at work here? Is like what's is, is the rhetoric finally matching? Like what, What's going on with that? What do you think, uh, Marco? And I, I know Riley had something to say about this as well. But yeah, go ahead. I, I saw someone quip that uh, this went from a war against Azo to a war against transgenders. So... Uh, and yeah, I, that's I, I that's that's fine by me. You know, <laughs> that's that's a good good development. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, 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 I don't know. I, I haven't listened to the to the Putin speech uh, uh, yet. Uh, you know, w w was it really ideological, or just he like just like rambling? You know, you know, just like going against whatever he's being irritated by in the moment, or like like grasping at what whatever he. Justification. I don't think even you know, even if you dislike it. Putin, I don't think you can say that he rambles. His stuff is very uh, very chotke, uh, like how do I put it, curt to the point. And actually, if you're learning to read, to if you're trying to learn the Russian language, you could basically study his his speeches and his way of speaking. He doesn't. I like that's just a thing that I think it's objectively true. If you listen to the way that other officials and other people speak around him, they sort of talk into their throat. They kind of mumble. They do that Soviet, you know. 
that, that that gargling sort of i don't know if you know about this marco uh or if riley knows what i'm talking about but the the soviet officials had this way of speaking where they would kind of it was like a way of affecting their voice to make it seem more um what is it called like pathos uh like uh, why am i forgetting english words <laughs> to make it seem more uh pompous yeah that's that's the word more pompous and more uh deep-throated and stuff and uh what it translates to is like a lot of these officials it, it's sometimes it's indiscernible what they're trying to say putin doesn't do, do that he speaks very simply uh speaks in a very like uh i would say like the people's language uh so i i don't think you can say that uh i'm defending him right now <laughs> but uh in general i it it was yeah it was just uh it, he wasn't pointing out russia's ideology uh, i mean he said some stuff about what Russia believes and everything, and I think we've we we wanted to talk about this before how Russia doesn't have an ideology, how Russia doesn't really have an understanding of itself in uh in in the world and and what it like it's it's its relationship or where it stands in opposition to Western values, which ones, what the West even stands for. There doesn't seem that what in general there doesn't seem to be a cognizance of of the situation as it is now, and anyone who's like on the internet who's following these developments in the West. Yeah, yeah, you know, but but you know, he he's saying things now that that he's in a position where he has to mobilize people to go into a losing situation and turn it around. You know, he could have been mobilizing the sad months ago to go in and and just ask them, hey guys, please just keep up the momentum. You know, which would have been a lot a lot easier for the guys who who are being mobilized. And you know, now all of a sudden, you know, like uh, now all of a sudden he he's also remembering to go, you know, after the uh, transgender West and, and stuff like that. You know uh you know now that he has this 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 very tough tough sale you know to uh to sell to the people of like hey i'm mobilizing you now sorry guys you know i said seven months ago you won't need to yeah you do need to go and because i didn't do it seven months ago now it's going to be a lot more difficult for you than if i did it before yeah but what you're telling me though is that the people uh despite all this despite all the losses and despite the fact that things aren't uh looking so good that he knows that they hate transgenders and they hate like western ideas so much that they'd be like okay we don't care we're still gonna go because you said we're fighting against this so if anything it's it's uh, it's kind of based <laughs> let's be real here but uh i wanted to, to hear riley's opinion on this uh, i know he's been following as well i i don't i don't buy it i think that talk is pretty cheap and i don't understand why if you were fighting a war against transgenderism what ukraine would have anything to do with that it, to me this just sounds like empty political rhetoric pure desperation to be perfectly honest um, yeah are they you know, are they nazis you know like, like what is it now you know like look you know i'm sorry but it's this is sort of like people claiming that russia russia is fighting a war against nato by invading a non-nato country that's a slavic brother it doesn't make any fucking sense you know i i just don't i don't get this i don't get this rhetoric if you're if you're fighting against transgenderism, nuke New York City. I just don't. Why why would yeah. Ukraine have anything to do with this? And and by the way, Russia is already that, all you no know, all Russia can do with the transgender thing is just make sure that this kind of ideology doesn't take root in Russia, which they're doing a pretty good job of already. You don't need to fight a war to to all you have to do is pass legislation, which they've already done basically. It it just doesn't. I don't. I just don't see what they. How does this conflict actually? So, so Russia wins in Ukraine, and then the rest of the world gives up on transgender stuff. Is that how it works? They yeah. sign a treaty. It just—it's stupid. This is stupid. It's a stupid thing to connect these two together. And, and, oh, wait, wait, wait! But these things weren't. 
Okay, now we're getting into it. No, it's a stupid Rolo. It's a stupid thing to say. No, no, you don't understand, Riley. This was only passed (laughs) because of the war, because of the special military operation. The stuff you're talking about was passed recently. The anti-gay propaganda law before that didn't work. I know. I I know. but, that, but but so what you know so what because because they're only passing because of the war and yes. the war is good i mean they could have passed this without the war and, and fine you know like well clearly need they the couldn't war to do this well you guys are in fantasy <laughs> yeah, land yeah, i'm telling you no, how it happened no, no. They, they couldn't they couldn't because because of who they are you know not because of the circumstances and and you know what what uh, Riley was saying before, let's nuke New York. Uh, exactly. If this is about NATO, let's go invade Finland and Sweden, and I'll be the first to go. You know. I agree. I do think we should invade those countries. But uh, well, we could just start. By, with by the, the way, by the way, so so while while these Russian, uh, you know, mobilized citizens are fighting the transgenders in Ukraine, they're being forcibly injected with put with expired Sputnik V doses. So that's a pretty big L, in my opinion. This is a new level of coercive injection that. Uh, as far as I know, would make Russia, it currently has one of the strictest mandatory vaccination policies in the world, because if you refuse to mobilize, you get 10 years in the slammer, potentially. It means that that by extension, refusing to get injected means 10 years in prison for 300,000 Russians. And of course, um, enforcement is going to vary, just like with the regional uh, vax decrees that were inter- uh, coincidentally also introduced in the autumn 12 months ago. And so I just, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't buy this narrative where it's like Rush, Russians have to throw, take up arms and throw themselves against the degenerate space lizard West when all they have, all Putin has to do is sit down at his desk and sign a few decrees, and he will make Russia less degenerate and less awful by a multiple of a thousand just with a stroke of a pen, and he won't do it. He doesn't even talk about it. In fact, he openly supports a lot of the space lizard West policies in his own country. So I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just too jaded, but I just don't buy it anymore. No, I'm just saying that, like, if you believe all that is true, then only something like a war could, you know, get Russia to to start behaving differently. Because the war they is were forcibly the, the people are getting forcibly injected because of the war. All right. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I can't argue against that one point. That's true. But that other but that's stuff pretty, about that's your that's your body. That's your physical body. It's like, oh yeah, like they're putting this untested, potentially extremely dangerous genetic. Well, you said it was expired, body, but... right? You said it was expired. Yeah, which, right? which would probably make Maybe. it even worse. Which would probably make, it, might it, make it better. Now, now, you, now you grow, you grow an extra head uh, aside from getting myocarditis. It's just like, come on, like why? Come on, there's no excuses here anymore. I'm so, I'm so tired of the excuses. There's just no excuse for this bullshit anymore. Well, I'll try and find one for next time. But in general, okay. there have there have been. Uh, I just don't like you're. We're saying the same things. I know. I know we are. Thing. I know we are. I'm just like are. giving it a different spin. I'm just saying like, well, it. look, yeah, it. a lot of this stuff that's happened would have would not have happened. Like Russia is becoming more based, minus the but, stupid. But Rolo, we both we both know that that a lot of the social conservatism that is reflected in Russian law is not a top-down policy. It's coming from the bottom up. It was the same with gay with gay issues in in right. Russia. It was Milano, it was, it pretty is, much. It was grass. It. It's grassroots stuff. And this idea that if Russia didn't have strict legislation against transgenders and that that would somehow make Russia into a you know safe haven for transgenderism is ridiculous. We both know that. It's no one would no one would tolerate it within Russian society. It's a total bottom up 
sort of civilizational decision. And so, okay, it's great that the that the government gave a nod to this, but it's not like the government is like taking this sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're taking this sort of moral position that transcends public opinion. It's the exact opposite, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think that uh, honestly, just being able to, the, the best way to combat transgenderism is to, is to not allow like degenerate Western media in your country and to create your own. Unfortunately, sure. Russian media is not very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. At but, all. but what are but what are you but what are you saying? If if people are exposed to that, they're gonna become transgender transgender. All yeah, of a sudden, it's just know, yeah. Dude, I know you're a libertarian, but like, look, we've tried the free drugs experiment in America. Apparently, if you just expose people to drugs and the option of using them they will use them they will use them in huge quantities uh yeah I and mean, then that's... they should look like, what, what's the problem with that i, I use huge or... quantities of alcohol some some people prefer some other stuff what's the, what's the bad in that well because i don't want to live around people who do drugs <laughs> and i don't want them like and it's my people i mean i don't want to see i don't think they have like choice i don't think everyone's a rational person i don't think everyone's a person who has even the capacity to exercise self-control i'm not going to put in front of like a guinea pig uh you know lettuce spiked with arsenic and be like control yourself pig don't eat it i know the pig's gonna eat it so basically by letting him have the choice i'm condemning him to death you know like i mean i just i have a very yeah, low so, opinion so, of so, so, so what roller today you're after my drugs tomorrow you're after my cholesterol <laughs> after my sweet juice you know we like should sweet ban juice. sweet juice. We should ban corn syrup. You know, we should ban the Antichrist. I, Rolo, I Rolo's really anti-orange juice. I only recently learned this. He's very, he's yeah. very against the the acidic juices. Yes, <laughs> I think I think they, they should be banned. <laughs> you're not you're not going to stump me, Marco. I I do take my positions to a logical absurdity, and I do it with a straight face. <laughs> but uh, uh, no shame, no shame. No, yeah. No. Rolo, that is fine. That is fine. But you're like you're like these nagging teachers, you know. Like you're the least cool people around. Then if that's what you're about, I mean, you're like these people nagging people that they shouldn't smoke in bars. You know, what is more natural than having smoke in your bar? You know. I'm not against smoking, dude. I think nicotine is good yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter, man. You, you are the same no, level. No, you don't of, understand at all. Cool no, people. I'm not. I'm not. Time out. Time out. Time out. We're we're moving on. We're moving on. Mark, Marco no, had we, some. No, we're, no, we're stopping this here. Is, <laughs> this is top content right here. This is. We're we we can. We can return no, to this later. Let me just say this. Let me say one last thing. The problem is that we have totally different motivational first principles. Marco is obsessed with freedom, personal freedom to like make your own decisions. I don't think that's very important. I think just being healthy and strong is more important, which is why that's what I evaluated on. I'm like, it's not about bands. It's not about whether I'm allowed to or not allowed to. It's whether it's healthy and, and makes me stronger or not. That's it. I had, that's my only criteria. So I can be no, like what you call uh, inconsistent. I, 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 my no i'm my starting point is dignity you know and dignity means means you there's make no your own decisions. dignity in and corn syrup <laughs> it should be whoa, whoa, yeah. take, take that back no. shots fired no but you, you you can say that but uh if choice is taken away from you then you don't even have you know potential for dig for dignity to start with you know because because you're just being automaton you're just being controlled by other people that's what most around. people are that's what that's just the reality dude Anyway, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am supposed to lead this discussion, and I have let myself be 
hoodwinked by Marco uh, once again. He has let. I'm sorry. I apologize on his behalf to the audience for uh, him horribly uh, taking us off off topic. Uh, I, I apologize. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. You started, we have someone. You started, you know. I did, I did not. We we will see. Let the audience decide. Uh, let the people decide. I think Marco, you had something, some stuff you wanted yeah. to bring up. Yeah. Why don't we, yeah. why don't we transition there? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Rolo, how about this? I saw, I saw your article. You know, it's, it's, it's good, but there was one part that I was like, huh, huh, like, uh, you are, you seem to be positively inclined about this law passed by Duma that, like, oh, we're now we're gonna be so tough on these people that we're mobilizing. You know, they better not think about voluntary surrender or refusal to participate in hostilities. I mean, first of all, why are you talking about voluntary surrender right now? I mean, is, is that a thing that is go are you trying to apply that is a thing that is going on? I mean, why are you casting like suspicion on your people that you're mobilizing right now, you know, and warning them about in advance? Like, is this a real problem? I, I you know, I have not heard about voluntary surrender. Yeah, sometimes you get captured, like to continue to fight will be pointless, you will just die, you couldn't do any damage to the enemy, but like voluntary surrender, I have seen nothing of it. And these are people, you know, who are sitting safely in Moscow. They all have a lot of money. They all corrupt. None of their children will go to war. None of their husbands will go to war. But how they can present themselves as like, oh, look at us, how tough we are, how hardline we are now seven months into the war. We're going to really threaten these people who actually are a lot more patriotic than us and who actually are going to war, you know, by if you don't do it the correct way, you know, we're getting you for 10 years or 15 years or whatever. Don't even think about voluntary surrender. I mean, if I'm being mobilized and somebody's threatening me about, you know, they're gonna do something about voluntary surrender, I might do it just I might do it just to show them they cannot threaten me. I mean, what is you know, what is this nonsense? You know, some Moscow liberals from from the Duma are going to threaten you like this. And and like you're happy about this? Well, I mean, I like the other parts, the ones that I highlighted and actually like talked about, like the, I don't think uh, voluntary surrender is, I just think like all those laws in general, they pulled it out of a, an, an old cupboard that they had from, I don't know, like World War II times. They probably were like, okay, well, this helped us back then. Let's just pull it out because we have no new ideas. We don't know what we're doing and we're just going to uh, pull out something. But, 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 that, uh, because it is a LARP. Because in Russia, how you signal that you are hardline and like, oh, you're taking care of problems is, is, is that you impersonate Stalin. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. I didn't want to say Stalin, but yeah, because I think it cuts across. I think, you know, uh, being a hard ass cuts across ideological uh, boundaries. But yeah, that's pretty much the way I interpret it as well. I mean, I'm not... I don't like it, but I, I definitely understand the mentality of these people, and it doesn't surprise me that they do it. Uh, but so, but the thing I mean, is, e e e even back back then in the 1940s, you know, second guessing the troops like this, uh, th th this only had negative consequences, you know, because like, uh, uh, for for example, you had you had stuff like uh, f filtration camps, right? The pilot gets shot gets shot down over enemy lines. He comes back. The first thing that happens to him, he's arrested and interrogated to make sure that he's not that he's not been inserted by the Germans. You know, if you're gonna go through that, maybe you start thinking, huh, should I really go back? You know, like what if they decide maybe I'm a spy? Maybe you know my voice is shaking a little bit, you know. Or or like, you know, when you give, you know, just just completely arbitrary rules to the troops, like you know, you cannot retreat if your tank is not burning. What are you gonna do? 
if they need to retreat, they're gonna first burn the tank, you know, in, 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 instead of bringing it back, you know, like it, it, it doesn't work, you know, like they have way too much freedom. You cannot control them and you not you cannot intimidate them. Even back then, uh, you know, when they were threatening troops, with like, you know, if you're if you're not if you're not good, we're gonna send you to a penal battalion. The troops would make fun with them. The the troops would just keep saying anyway, like, what are they gonna do? Send us to the front. So you know it doesn't work. It just undermines stuff, and uh, and it's the same as in your work. You know, if your boss comes over and he starts, you know, do this, do that, better not think about anything. You know, it's it 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 doesn't work. Well, uh, first of all, I think that the the emphasis was on. I just I just saw it as like a what do you call it, a response. So I saw it as an acknowledgement that there were problems in general. Um, that the fact that they would write in, in like one of the points which you mentioned, uh, which is you know you can't abandon supplies. I mean how I mean what they did abandon the supplies. The five D people, the dunces, they uh, they denied. They said it was this brilliant strategic withdrawal, and that's what the Ministry of Defense said as well. But if it's a brilliant strategic withdrawal, why did you leave behind all those stockpiles of like ammo and stuff? And so uh, by adding that and by like bringing out these tough new uh, rules, I just saw it as, as pretty much what I think it was, a political response to the, to the, the fuck up, which was uh, Kharkiv. So it was in a way of, I would say, acknowledging that something went wrong and that something needs to be fixed and sort of, I mean, you could like say sure, your, your sure, argument sure. that it doesn't work, but like, okay, but somebody did mess up. Somebody did leave behind all this stuff. There was like no reason to do that. And some people yeah, are saying that it was deliberate. It was deliberate treason. So uh, what do you think about nah, that? Look, look. Sometimes you have you have to do it. I mean, we cannot second guess people that were actually there. Uh, you know, in, in 1942, as as the Germans are advancing to Stalingrad, you know, for a long time historians were saying, uh, you know, like in 42, the Germans, you know, they make these huge advances, but they're not able to capture many Soviets because the Soviets just masterfully retreat. You know, so while they lose territory, at least they do not lose men. And then historians dug, dug even deeper into this, and this is a complete lie. Actually, what was happening is the command was not masterfully retreating. The command, just like in 41, was blundering again, telling the troops to, 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 to stand and to even to counterattack. But the troops were like, fuck this. This is not leading to anything good. And they just self-evacuated. And yeah, they left a lot of heavy equipment behind, unfortunately. But at least they themselves didn't go, uh, weren't captured and could be rallied. To, to, uh, to fight again. So what was considered to be, oh, the, the masterful Soviet generals? No, it was the rank and, and file who, who saved the situation by going against the orders. I mean, I, I, yeah, it, it sucks that they left behind supplies, but we don't know what the situation was. And, you know, uh, some are also saying, look, we didn't have, we didn't have uh, communications, you know, like nobody's even, nobody even told us there was a retreat. All of a sudden we, we realized all our neighbors to our left are, and our right are gone. And, and for example, also, you know, what was the Kremlin signaling at first? Like, oh, we're bringing on all, all these reinforcements. You know, we, 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 uh, we you know, we, we're going to, to to keep the line. So, so I don't know. Maybe the troops are there thinking, you know, like, uh, you know, instead of setting charges, you know, to be ready to to explode everything, they had other concerns. They're thinking, okay, well, reinforcements are on the way. You know, let, let's not panic too soon. Let's go, you know, dig in deeper. You know, in 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 the meanwhile, I mean, we do not know, but what we do know. Is, is that these poor guys were, were were very much outnumbered, you know? Like that, they're 
there's not so there's not a lot of them, but there's a lot of things to do, including you know exploding supplies that you cannot uh, take with you. Okay, but what about Lehman? Um, more of the same. Just uh, that's that's the way I'm interpreting it. I mean, I, I when I wrote uh, this article, I'm just like, well, look, they're outnumbered. Uh, the the reinforcements aren't going to get there all at once, and there's just not going to be anything to stop the Ukrainians now that they've gained. Uh, the advantage and now that now that they know like that they've had a successful operation now they've had two now they have they're going on three so they're just you know right now we're in this period of like free gains for ukraine uh they're willing to incur the costs they're, they're willing to break through weak points in the line willing to surround uh and envelop uh enemy positions and so it works they've done it they're going to keep doing it so I was like, okay, well, it's pretty obvious that it's going to work with Lehman, and it's pretty obvious it's going to work again. And and you know what? I think they might even take VC Chansk at, at the pace that it's going before this whole thing can be stabilized. So uh, what do you think about that? Do you, is that yeah, yeah, you... but 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 I mean, Lehman was already better, wasn't it? I mean, I I, I didn't see like massive uh, quantities of tanks left behind, you know. So so it's already better. I mean, they're already getting their act together a little bit, you know. So. They're learning how to retreat better, yeah. Well, I don't know. I've, I also heard that some people... Well, you are, well not only that. I mean, they also, you know, they traded space for time. I mean, that is what Ukrainians used to be very good at. Uh, but, you know, Russians couldn't pull it off in Kharkiv, but now now they did it in, in, in Liman, you know. So, I mean, I mean that, that that's how you do, you do it. I mean, even if you know that you're eventually going to have to retreat, you don't do it on the first day, you know. You, you try to win as much time as possible. And they did that. Okay. Well, that's a that's a pretty uh, optimistic then position. Uh, uncharacteristic of you, Marco. Is is everything okay on your end? Is someone is a a Russian general holding a gun to your head right now? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> you put a positive spin on it. Uh, but uh, I, I toss it over to Riley. I mean, Riley's been pretty, pretty, pretty dour about it uh, in general. I mean, Riley, is this? I mean, I'm pretty sure you predicted this as well. It's just you're not really writing that much about military things um everything going according to your expectations no it's going way worse than i thought it would i mean at the very least i have to say even though i was very um you know my, my initial feelings about this war it was not so much uh that i had some sort of deep insight into russia's military capabilities or what they would do or what strategies they would deploy none of that but i wasn't talking about any of that stuff for me it was just more a question of okay you have these stated objectives which frankly are most of them are basically abstractions and absurd like denazification demilitarization but even if even if you think you can accomplish these how is this how is this military conflict going to make it better how is this military conflict actually going to bring about the prevention of the permanent anti russia and i continue to argue that this conflict has done the exact opposite and we have a friend Marco and I have a mutual acquaintance who uh, famously said, what, what was it, that Putin has accomplished everything he set out to prevent, something like that. And I, I personally, I agree with that. I think this conflict has exacerbated all of the problems that existed pre-February 24th. And I don't really see, we, and, and this is the worst part actually, is that I truly believe that seven months in, eight months into this conflict, at, the, at least Donbass would be liberated and there'd be no more shelling. But we've seen the exact opposite. Donbass has never been more violent, probably since the very beginning of the conflict in 2014, 2015. So I, I'm sorry, I mean, maybe the situation will change in the coming months, maybe. But as things currently stand, I consider this to be an overwhelming failure on all fronts for Russia. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think, uh, well, so you would agree that you probably expect more Ukrainian gains to come then, right? I, I have no idea. And in fact, as much as we make fun of the 5D people, maybe it's true that Ukraine is overextended at this point. I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I don't have the expertise or the knowledge to really make a firm ruling on that one. But the point is that I don't think anyone can honestly say that Russia is is winning, whatever that even means anymore, which I frankly, I don't know. I don't know what it means to win anymore in this war, because as far as I'm concerned, Washington is winning because we have two Slavic brotherly Slavic nations vaporizing each other. And with this call up, these 300,000 troops that will eventually arrive in Ukraine, it seems that the, you know, the bloodletting will continue for a very long time. And this seems this basically seems like it's straight from the Washington playbook. So what what is being gained here? I don't know. Yeah, I mean I they, they openly wrote about this. This was like their yes. strategy uh, for yes. a long like time, they're, they're and yet they still like or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, and they still let it happen. I mean, by they, I mean yeah. the Kremlin. Like, you don't have to be a genius. Say like, everyone assumes these boomers, especially, that everything's like a James Bond novel or something. That uh, everything's like these complicated maneuvers within maneuvers but it's like it's no they they pretty straightforwardly said what they would do then they did it and you did nothing to stop it now there's a war that you thought you could win quickly because you, that's the only thing russia knows how to use is its military however uh well that, that it, they, they use it but uh you know like the, the they let it get to this point and that's i think a point that we've made before that you know if we dial, dial the clocks back a bit how do we even get into this situation I think Minsk was was the most retarded thing ever. Uh, the Minsk Accords or the Minsk One and Two. Uh, I think it was uh, it was insulting and it was just. I don't. It's incredible that they thought that it would even work when it, it was dead upon arrival. And they kept saying that we are for Minsk, we are for Minsk, we want to uphold this, even though it was never upheld. Even though the, those regions weren't being allowed to vote, even though they completely lost the country, yeah, and they were claiming like, oh, we can't, you know. Uh, fight we can't defend uh, these people we can't incorporate them because we can't move quickly because then we'd lose all of the, the 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 rest of ukraine but they ended up but it was obvious that they had lost it after the dust had settled around the coup and uh, the anti-terrorist operation so-called began it's like i don't what were these people thinking it's 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 this weird uh i think marco wrote an article about it just the, the mindset of the kremlin which is that they really do believe in this like rules-based international order thing and and that was like their line and they were sticking to it and they don't they weren't acting like a real politique uh like uh like frederick the great style if it's in our interest we'll just do it they've, they've started acting like that now but before then they were all about like feebly bleeding about international norms and conventions do you want to I mean, I mean that was a pretty good article uh marco i mean i think you made a good point would that explain why they were so incompetent uh, leading up to this disaster in this war that they they just they they again they held their hand they, their hands were shackled they were fighting with one arm behind their back but this time in the political international law arena instead of just going for the throat like the Americans do I, I mean why they went uh, you know into Ukraine you know in such a small small way in 2014 i think uh, a lot might have to do with money you know because like i mean I, I find this mind-boggling but apparently the kremlin uh is very concerned about having to pay pensioners and stuff like that you know so they were like thinking you know if we get east ukraine is that even a, a, an award you know is that even good for us you know that might you know diminish our gas from profits a little bit you know we don't want that 
so 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 that's one thing uh, uh, I, I'm not sure if, if they were still shackled by this whole uh, international law approach uh, but I, I yeah I also wrote in the article you know that that what it looks like to me that this year you know they just started impersonating Americans outright you know and I, I think that is the case but I think uh, I think they started to uh, impersonate Americans without really understanding what Americans do because you know when Americans invade an invasion you know an invade a country you know they make it look easy you know but there's a lot more to it you know there's just a lot more to it and apparently Putin didn't understand that you know apparently he just thought you know look I can keep this secret from my from my military and then you know uh, give them two days notice and you know they go in and Ukraine is just gonna fold and and and, and that's it you know like I mean, I, I, and I don't know why he's, why he is impersonating Americans without even understanding them. Why is he not impersonating the Soviets? The Soviets knew how to invade somebody. You know, the Soviets did it a lot of time. And they knew you bring everything you have and you make it real quick. And, and th that's how it's done. But no, he's like, no, I, I'm going to do it the Rumsfeld way. You know, like I'm just going to use a third of my military, you know. Like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, like stick, you know, like, aren't you a KGB boomer? You know, like, why aren't you sticking to this Soviet stuff that you people were supposed to be good at? Well, that's because Putin's not a KGB boomer. He's he's always been, like, saying counter, like, I mean, it, I mean, the communists are, are against him uh, in, in Russian society, y right? Yeah, they... yeah, yeah, exactly. He was appointed by Yeltsin, and he supported Yeltsin in 93, against the communists and, and and things like that yeah i mean he's he's i mean he's just like a some kind of a disillusioned uh a westernizer really yeah that's pretty much uh exactly yeah he was uh he was part of this like pro-western western liberalizing trend this idea that russia could be friends with nato part of the eu and uh, then basically they just kept getting spurned and their offers kept getting rejected and uh, their attempts to play nice were spat on and so russia was forced to not because it wanted to not because the elites even had this different conception of the world but simply just i don't even know why the west was so hell-bent on on like you know on treating russia this way i mean they could have had russia i think it's an ethnic grievance agenda uh from the neocons many of whom are from uh you know the slav lands and uh i think a lot of them yeah, just I, like have I, such... I, I think i think i think that's whitewashing the anglo-saxons because uh america was very uh was kind of uh it was basically racist to russia long before jews gained influence in, in the united states so, so whoa, whoa, I, I, I i wouldn't go there i didn't say anything about jews i said the neocons and uh their ethnic ancestors you could interpret that any way you want. I don't know where you got this. Uh, we don't tolerate anti-Semitism on this show, Marco. But uh, what, what do you mean that the Anglo-Saxons were racist? Uh, let's talk about how evil the Anglo-Saxons are. We're not racist on this show. Are we, are, <laughs> are we getting a little? Are we getting a little off track here, guys? <laughs> no, no, because no, no, no. Putin or uh, I forget who it was, but they started talking about the Anglo-Saxon fascist empire, right? Is there any? Uh, is there yeah. any? And then, is there yeah, any, people like, making fun of. People were making fun of him for that, you know, but uh, I mean, uh, when you say Anglo-Saxon in Eastern Europe, that's just a short way for us to say, you know, to include Americans and the British together. Yeah, but, you know, there's the, the I know one prominent Anglo-Saxon named Tucker Carlson, who's on air with the largest show 
uh, in English-speaking media who's constantly yeah, trying yeah, that, to... That, well, well, I mean, every ethnicity has, has Russian supporters, right? I mean, so, you know, that doesn't say anything, you know. But when do you think was the first uh, NGO established, you know, to, to promote regime change in Russia? Uh, I don't know. I think the Americans rounded up a bunch of neocons back in the... Uh, it, early it was it, and they no, sent no, a no, ship it, of it, them. no no it was in late well it wasn't active in russia it was only active in america they were it was in late 19th centuries mark twain was part of it society of friends of russian freedom you know like in america and what they would do is these uh, exiles would come over from russia and then they would gather for meetings uh, where the exiles will lecture to, to them about uh, how bad russia is and how bad things are in russia this and, was in and, the 19th you know, like, century? Yeah, this was in the late 19th century, you know, before before uh, before Jews start arriving at, at the at the what is it called? Liberty Island? What what's the what's the port entry there? That's a Mandela Ellis, effect. Ellis, Ellis, Island. Ellis Island. Yeah, yeah, Ellis Island. I, right, right. Liberty Island. It's it's like the Bernstein Bears thing. You know about that, Marco? Like timeline shifts? Okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that on another podcast. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the things I try to stress on my blog is this idea that liberalism is a messianic like religion. And so it's it's a globalist project inherently by its nature. And I get into why that is. Uh, in detail but in general that is probably why i mean it's just just if you have a, a system a political system that's based on authoritarianism uh it's always going to be butting heads with a system that's based on like free trade opening up new markets for exploitation of raw resources and export of finished goods you know uh because of these values these mercantile oligarchic values they're threatened by the authoritarian model so on that level yeah there's there's always going to be a, a butting of heads so. But 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 look but look if if they wanted to promote liberalism in Russia, they could have gone ab about it uh, uh, in a better way. You know they could have been more successful if if for example you know they granted Russia a little bit of equality. You know a, a little bit of what it wanted. You know to 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 run some parts of the po post-Soviet space. You know, and and that way they would have had their liberal victory. You know, but that wasn't good enough for them. You know, so so it seems there is another dimension there. You know, they're not all just about what's best for global liberalism and spreading it you know there's also a little bit of something else well i mean i would also say that like with england and the great game that's when we have a lot of this anti-russian like russians are mongols russians are asiatics that sort of propaganda starts being promoted but uh at that point you could uh, argue that at that you know we're talking about great britain which is already controlled by neocons since uh you know at least the napoleonic era if not earlier than that since the glorious revolution but whatever i mean i think there is something i don't know i i really don't know i don't know why we can't speak op openly about these things i mean i do know why but it's like if we're really facing an existential war and pretty much literally everybody who is promoting this war against russia is a neocon and and has like roots in the shtetl uh, of Eastern Europe, I mean, can we not say that at this point? At, w at what point will it be okay? For well, us to well, say it? look, 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 look. Well, that's because look, look, bro. Jews are are just smarter. You know, they're just smarter than Anglo-Saxons. Of course, they're going to take all the positions, but that doesn't mean that if Anglo-Saxons were not in these positions, that the policy wouldn't be exactly the same. I mean, show me, you know, like Tucker Carlson. You know, like. Uh, w w w what about these other guys? I mean, I mean Hillary Clinton. You know, like like all all these people. Come on. 
what like you're saying that the that the anglo-saxons are, are just as bad as the neocons yeah 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 ab ab absolutely well yeah but i mean why are the neocons like opening like destroying the host countries in which they've they've set up like what you know that's the thing i can't square like these here you have this powerful empire under your control rich the people circumcise themselves to be more like you you know like total slaves right and uh well 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 i i i know but uh, elites always cannibalize their empires in the end you you know even when they're not uh you know like which empire hasn't destroyed itself from within you know do, do you really yeah. need semites to to, to to do that for you uh, well, I mean, apparently they can accelerate the process. So, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's quite observable. Well, right well, look, look, look. I mean, if that is true, uh, you know, sh should I mourn that? I mean, should I mourn the fall of America? I don't give a shit. Get on with it. If if that's what they're doing, then the neocons, you know, cannot do that fast enough for me. You know, I mean, what the fuck do I care? I'm I'm a slob from the Balkans. Do I give a shit if, if New York drowns itself in transgenders? Well, I just, it's just, it's all a package, you know, like you, if you are pro transgender and you are, you are, you, you are also pro bug, you are pro global warming, like you believe in that, uh, you promote this green nonsense. You are also pro democracy in Ukraine. You are pro war with Russia. It's, it's part of an entire identity. It's a whole bundle. And I don't know what is like, like there is short of a nuclear war. We're going to have to learn how to deal with these people, like Americans and and British and French and whatever. We're gonna we're, we're gonna live in a world with them. So it'd be better if the people that didn't hate us as much running these countries than people who it's part of their religion that they have to believe everything that the Jewish media tells them to believe, and and they just you know go on a on a war jihad on social media against Russia, or you know they take all the positions in the in the government, and everyone has to rah 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 war with Russia. It's like. I don't see why you wouldn't look for friends in the West, why you wouldn't uh, try to promote people like Ron Paul or try to create bridges of yeah, friendship. Yeah. Well, you know? well, well, look, look, there are good people in the West, but I, I, I don't see that, the, that, that there is any kind of ethnic uh, distinction. I mean, the, the good people, they, they are in the same proportions as, as they are find, found in, in the population. I mean, the, the, the good journalists, the dissidents, uh, in, in fact, the Jews are, are, are vastly overrepresented in, in, among the good dissident journalists, uh, exactly probably for the same reason. I mean, Jews are just freaking smart, let's be honest. So uh, they're, they are overrepresented in the bad guys. They're, they're, all, they're all also overrepresented in the good guys. So, you know, uh, you know. Okay, I, I strongly disagree on that last point, but let's, but uh, okay, so you're cool with the whole Anglo-fascist rhetoric stuff that we hear coming out now uh i think i think we, we get we have to talk about the neocons and i know that the russians know about it every russian knows about it that you talk to in russia they know who's to blame i mean even in ukraine they know and they just sort of like well yeah they run everything but they're on our side for now you know uh you know Zelensky, the prime minister newland psaki every like every like the entire cabinet of joe biden is I don't think there's there's like one guy who's not Jewish in that cabinet. I had a list actually prepared. I didn't think we were going to talk about it today, but <laughs> I'll bring it up next time. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so okay, now we're talking about the satanic Anglo-fascist empire that is hell-bent on conquering the world and, and subduing Russia. Uh, can So that's great. That means that there's not going to be any negotiations. Maybe that's why this rhetoric is being used, uh, because now it's like, well, we can't back down. 
now we're, we're taking this seriously now we're going to get ready but is it all just on the level of words still like is is there anything to indicate that like russia is like mobilizing for like a war economy or like getting ready for a serious showdown uh, i mean i know riley thinks it's all bluster right riley i think russia's greatest enemy is itself <laughs> yeah i mean that's that that's true for a lot of entities so. Oh, yeah, you could say that about America too. I don't, I don't, I just don't buy a role. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I don't buy, I don't buy the. If only the satanic space losers weren't around, Russia would be, would be, you know, would be free. I think, and I, and by the way, I've, I've made this argument long before, um, February 24th. So it's not even specific to the war. I, I don't. I'm no longer interested in this, like fiery rhetoric and we see this from you know Dmitry Medvedev especially who just did this who was a total snake and a in a space lizard in his own right now acting like some sort of far right extremist nationalist talking about nuking anyone who hurts his feelings this this is on telegram of all of all channels this is nonsense russia russia has it, all of russia's problems could be solved within by russia itself basically including any security problems that it had in fact uh, i'll give you i'll give you um an example you know when i was working uh, for press tv in moscow i remember on multiple occasions interviewing russian diplomats who were at toss headquarters arena novosti headquarters to talk about either syria or donbass and i would always ask them why why isn't russia taking a more aggressive military stance in some of these situations and he always told me um a, a bad peace is better than a good war. And I don't even know if this is a good war anymore. I don't even know how it furthers Russia's interests. And I don't even think that Russia uh, escalating this war is necessarily something that Washington is opposed to. I constantly hear about how bloodthirsty and satanic and, you know, maniacal the West is. And, and so why would they care if Russia, Russia was trying to play the Western game? I don't know if that's such a good idea. I don't think that's even Russia's strong suit at this point. And I don't see how it's saving Russian lives when, by the way, Russia has seen the worst natural population decline last year in its basically entire recorded modern history, worse than the 90s, the socioeconomic collapse of the 90s. And you guys are telling me, man, the Russian Ministry of Health has murdered more Russians in the last year than Azov ever could dream of. And I just don't buy it anymore. I'm just so I'm just so tired of it all. And if you want you want you want immediate change, you want real change in Russia, just gut the Kremlin, literally gut it, like burn it down and rebuild. Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, like uh, all these snakes, you know, like it, not just in the system, but like the snakes that they put in, in front of te the television cameras. I mean, they're like the worst people ever, like the worst people in Russia or, or on TV. You know, you have Soloviev and Simonian, you know, every other day they're talking about how Lon London should be nuked. And then all of a sudden, you know, mobilization is proclaimed, you know, and some poor guy in the province, you know, accidentally sends a summons to a guy who's like 60 years old, you know, and, and that guy's like half blind and stuff. And, you know, that's a huge fucking scandal. You know, Simonian is like, you know, wants to crucify this guy. How can that possibly happen? How can they do that? This has to be dealt with in the strictest manner. Like you wanna, you want to nuke London every other fucking day. Now it's a big problem because some guy accidentally got called up, and they're gonna solve it in a couple of days. I mean, I mean, what the hell is this? And look, even if they didn't solve it, even if they sent that guy to the front, who fucking cares at this point? I mean, you want to nuke 
you want to nuke London, but we, now we have to stop and think about some poor old guy that's going to die for nothing in Ukraine? I mean, that isn't comparable. You know, like, if we want to be well, nuking I mean, London, then, then, you know, like, then, like, fuck this. You know, like, you're going to cry about this, you know, tiny little things that you contributed to. You know, why do you think he's being called up? Well, because you, you know, you want all these escalations all the time. And also you people, your boss, your, you know, who you're, who you're running interference for, he never fucking prepares for anything. You know, everything is ad hoc, you know, like waits everything for, for everything to be way too late. And then all of a sudden some poor provincial official has to, has to conjure up a, a giant fucking mobilization in two days, you know? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. So first of all, Simonyan and uh, Solovyov, both not Russian, by the way. Uh, one is Armenian. Oh, one come is... on, come on, bro. <laughs> hey, no. They're on, on Russian state TV. Someone you know, interviewed Putin recently. At, like uh... I know, but that doesn't change <laughs> what she is. She's a is. Russian. She's a Russian citizen. Come on, man. That's, she's if, a if Russian wanna, citizen. Yes. Okay, if you want to go down that route, like what what percentage of Russia isn't even ethnically Russian? A pretty large percentage. No, it, Russia yes, is more yes. Russian than Israel is Israeli, dude, and that's a, okay. But and the, they get to call themselves are, an ethnic. There are thing. millions of ethnic minorities who are fighting at the front right now for Russia. Good. Yeah, but we but, but, look, but, but, but look, Riley, but, but look, Riley, they're minorities from Russia. You know, uh, Simon Yan, she actually has a country, you know, outside Russia. You know, so th th that's actually right. And she's been you know, chilling because, because because look. Uh, okay, Russia, you know, nukes London, America, uh, nukes Russia. What is that to her? You know, her people still gonna be uh, fine in Armenia. You know, it, it doesn't really affect her that much as the other Russians. Solovyov so. can always go to Israel, which he's been to many times. In fact, he said very derogatory things about Russians and about how like Jews are the superior master race. Uh, I can show you guys the clip. It's from back in the day. But uh, the, the funny thing is that uh, I, I, w I didn't think it would be like a big thing to point out that one of them is Armenian and one of them is not. But Simonyan has been like very openly biased and like trying to affect Russia's like policies in this whole Azerbaijan uh, versus Armenia conflict. And that's a whole other thing, which we'll probably have to talk about soon because we, we I don't know the, when the dust settles on what's going on there that's yeah, probably but, but worth Rolo, we, we cannot we cannot left let you off the hook either i mean i mean who uh, look they've been there a long time you know if 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 they're not saying the correct things if they're not fulfilling their role their job then you know they could have been replaced i mean you cannot tell me that you know russian state tv is like free competition and the best rise to the top no no it's all uh you no, know it's all controlled by a mafia yes yeah yes so i mean uh, 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 uh well, apparently well, constantine uh, ernst uh, of channel one state channel uh everyone knows that he's against uh, the war that he's very liberal that he's pro you know and and nothing can be done to to get rid of this guy the communications director in the kremlin the guy who's like giving out money to these various media projects uh i always forget his name i think it's gromkin uh but uh, i always forget what his name is the dude the dude is a corrupt alcoholic and everyone knows it too and you can talk to uh for example tsiganov who runs katusha uh, who is this like patriotic guy, anti-vax, you know, pro, you know, pro-war in the sense that like he wants Russia to win and win effectively, you know, whatever, like just a, a very conservative, populist, uh, nationalist guy. Even though he would yeah, never... yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, why doesn't Putin hire this guy? You know, and 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 kick yeah, out. Yeah. Okay. Thing? Right. But my my point. I wasn't arguing that point with you. I agree. But uh, my point was that Simonyan 
and Solovyov were against mobilization until the boss said we're doing mobilization, and then they're like, okay, I guess we we need to well, do. But the boss said we're not doing mobilization. He even said it on a Women's Day or whatever, you know, March seventh. He was like, I I promise all the all the Russian women we're not sending your boys to Ukraine. He yeah, and they, and just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you guys. I'm saying that for the longest time, these people running the state, the, 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 the media in Russia, were basically shitting on Strelkov and constantly saying that we don't need these sort of whack jobs and these uh, uh, armchair generals telling us how to run things. Things are going good. We don't need this mobilization. The president has said blah blah blah. And then they do, then they do this about face, and all of a sudden it's like it's the, it's a necessity. It was obvious we needed to do this from the get go. Oh, and by the way, uh, let's look for, for some people to make examples out of uh, to, to show that we're serious. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I think we're in agreement here. I'm just adding a little bit of details here because, I mean, the, the, the patriotic people were calling for mobilization. And these guys were the ones saying, no, 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 we don't need any of that. Right. So now now that the, the winds have changed, now their positions have changed and now they were always for it. And uh, anyone who says otherwise, well, they're just a crank. Right. So. <laughs> So, so you yeah, know that you know, you know that even now the, they're not going to be using uh, serving cost groups. You know, so this is how it works. You know, like you go in, into the military, you know, for one year for your mandatory service, and you could be there maybe already eleven months. You know, you've had a lot of training in eleven months, probably, maybe a little bit less now that then there's a war and the officers are away, but still. But no, they will not use you because Putin wants to be true his, to his word of not using conscripts. But when your 12 months is over and you get discharged, then you could be mobilized, mobilized right back into it, you know, so, so, so they will go to, you know, through this absolute farce, you know, just to say, just that they can say that, hey, we're, we're not using mo uh, conscripts, but actually conscripts is, is precisely the people that you should use, you know, because they're already in uniform, they're already in units, and they already had, you know, like, like on average about six months of training. Well, I mean, that's just like part of Russia's Byzantine inheritance. Everything is just so convoluted, and 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 like even this uh the the referendum. Uh, no, I, 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 I don't think so, bro. I mean, because like in in Soviet times, these these guys would be the first to go, and everybody understood that, you know. But like, uh, Putin is, you know, this Byzantine stuff, so called, uh, you know, that that is Putin's introductions because he's mixing old things and new things, and doesn't really know w w what he's doing. Okay, but uh, damn it, Marco, I had a, something important to say. You totally cut me off. <laughs> I, I can't do it like you. I, I have a train of thought and I, and I just lost it. It was very important though. Uh, please, Riley, say something to, to save me so that we don't have a long I think it's time to wrap it up unless people have a, a final question or thought. Well, I, I was just going to say that uh, in general, when you have this – well, I, I don't know. People like always like uh, – look back at like the soviet union how they did things and uh i'm just I, I i think we are seeing them sort of digging back into looking at what the soviet union did and trying to f stumble through and figure something out to to make it work uh bundle through this this crisis uh but at the same time i i i would resist people characterizing you know putin and the government as like Soviet. If anything, uh, we've already brought up this point, but uh, the, these these are these are the people who were brought in to do away with Sovietism, and so it would be very ironic if they had to suddenly bring it back and start relying on sort of Soviet ways of doing things. But in many ways, a lot of what the Soviet Union did was basically like socialist nationalism uh, of a 
some it was basically like it was like a sparta i suppose it was a state that was preparing non-stop for war absolutely so you could actually take a lot of things from what the soviets did uh you know maybe make it a little bit more streamlined maybe use some new technology uh drop the stupid ideological stuff you know drop the the proletariat of the world rise up nonsense but just take some of the effective policies that you know created this you know superpower world like sparta that was about to go to war with the with the, with the collective west i mean that's yeah sure by all means do that it's just i think a lot of people would see that and they and if they if it was coupled uh merged with like the old soviet symbology that would definitely <laughs> not help russia's case uh, abroad uh because the only people who are still sympathetic somewhat to russia uh, are sort of conservative people in the west i would say and bringing back all this communist stuff i mean take the policies take the stuff that works take the best practices but just for god's sakes please leave behind the hammer and the sickle uh and the red star uh if you know what's good for you now that's that's a concluding note that i would end on i i think they will end up using some sort of neo sovak uh ideology because they just can't think of anything else um do you guys have anything you want to comment on that that final point before we wrap up uh yeah i, I would say look uh if you want to go you know evolve past past the soviet way of doing stuff you know by all means i mean after all in the end it, it didn't work out you know like their people got stamped by the riches of the west and all that stuff but the thing is if you're going to evolve past that then you know please do better you know but if you're going to do worse then I, I'm sorry, then you should have probably just copied the Soviets, you know, and in this military stuff so far, I'm sorry that they're falling short of, short of the Soviets. That's Riley. I mean, I guess my, my concern is you might have a Soviet-like controlled economy where you don't have any of the good aspects of the Soviet Union, you know, like good healthcare, competent education, et cetera, et cetera, you know, uh, you know, a large industrial base. And you have all the worst aspects where you know, basically a giant spook state, uh, very low, ex like, you know, you, you have to wait a year to get a car or whatever. So that, that's, what, that's what worries me. That's what worries me about, about that possibility. Yeah, but they're not going to go there, you know, because, uh, I mean, there were some kind of uh, differences in, in Soviet Union in status, but nonetheless, there was kind of egalitarian line through it and these people aren't going to go back to that egalitarianism uh, uh, ever again they're way too attached you know to their to, to their champagne clubs and stuff like that yeah exactly uh, exactly so yeah i think riley made a point that it might end up being the worst of both worlds perhaps oh the worst of all worlds though <laughs> thank you they, they wouldn't have picked up on that thank you riley thank you all right <laughs> There, we got the title in. It's not going to get any better than this. It's all downhill from here. Thank you so much to my co-host for joining me today. I think it was a spirited discussion. We are definitely going to meet up again. There are so many developments to talk about. We didn't even talk about the referendums. Uh, we didn't talk about a bunch of stuff. I actually had some good news to share. I didn't get around to sharing it. Maybe I will uh, next time around. So please stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.